I was asked by Apoor to speak on pillars of India's soft power diplomacy. And you see a completely different title there. It's Portland, Porter, and Pastry. So don't be shocked. It's basically, it just so happened that 10 days ago, I was in Delhi, and I was speaking about soft power and civilizational outreach, all the points that uh, Meenaji just highlighted. I was talking about that. And like probably Groucho Marx would have said, I didn't want to hear myself speak the same thing again within 10 days in the same city. So I said, okay, let me change the topic. And one good thing about soft power is I got up at 4 o'clock, meditated for a little while, and a moment of epiphany, I got the title. So please do meditate. <laughs> so... So the agenda is we're going to talk a little bit of Portland communications and what they did for ranking soft power. They have, the last five years, they have done work on ranking global nations on soft power. Porter is uh, Michael Porter. Pastry is a pastry. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about what they did because this is very important. How many of you are interested to pursue soft power in your careers? One, wow, that's, that's quite a few. So this, you, you must follow that University of Southern California has probably one of the uh, only departments in the world for public diplomacy. And Portland Communications work with them and they've come up with this software 30. You all know about Joseph Nye and what he defined uh, soft power, but basically, Three, three aspects of political values, culture, and uh, foreign policy. What uh, Portland has done is that they have given weightages, objective data for one set of criteria, and polling data. They have polled more than 11,000 people all over the world and got the feedback. So the objective data is against government, digital, culture, enterprise, engagement, and education. And polling data, I can't see clearly, but cuisine, uh, cuisine, you, you can see the thing. But this is the broad thing, 70 and, 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 and 30. So these are the six things that I was talking about. So this is the ranking of the top 30 that they have come up with uh, based on this criteria. This is for 2018. You can see that UK, France, Germany, and United States, and Japan are the top five. Anybody from any of these countries? From UK and US, okay. Anybody else? Germany, great. So these are the top five countries based on this ranking. India is not to be seen in the 30. Top 30, India is not there. It's 41 out of 60. So this is how we have ranked on digital, government, and culture. That is the strongest that we got the ranking, India, uh, India's ranking.
collected data, the polling data, shows that India has three main strengths in the eyes of global public opinion, culture, technology, and cuisine. Back to uh, Porter. Michael Porter, uh, uh, most of you must have heard of Michael Porter and his competitive strategy. And he's written a book on competitive advantage of nations. This book, he has taken 30 uh, uh, research assistants and four years of effort. He has mapped 10 countries uh, based on uh, uh, the largest uh, exporters and then evaluated them and came up with this concept of cluster theory. And this diamond model to determine how a nation can be competitive. And the four factors that he talked about was a healthy firm structure within the country, related supporting industries, demand conditions, the local country also should have strong demand conditions, and factor conditions like labor, uh, land, infrastructure. He's a Michelin star chef. His name is Grant Eckhart's. He's a chef. He's based in Chicago. I had an opportunity last September to book myself and have a meal there. He's one of the top. Uh, chefs in United States. One of the things, you can see what he's doing there. Can anybody guess what he's doing there? It's not a plate, it's actually the table. So you have a meal in the restaurant, but and then the final time when you, the time for dessert comes, so they remove all the plates, they put a fresh cloth, and then he paints and he puts, that's all pastry there, and uh, uh, that's finally people eat it from the table. There's no plate. And one of the things that he came up with is that plates are limiting my creativity, so I want to remove the plate and put the pastry on the table. So that's a very good example of thinking outside the box, right? Thinking outside the plate. Now, when I head there, one of the things that struck me, and because I'm advo advocating for uh, soft power, was that we have to think of non-resident Indians as our constituents, as our delivery mechanism. And also think of all the consumption of our culture that's happening globally also as a part of tourism. So imagine if you are a minister for tourism here and you're only looking at inbound travel and inbound visitors versus you're looking at somebody is going to an Indian restaurant in Chicago or somebody is going to an Indian restaurant, Indian concert in London, that is also tourism. And NRIs are actually also distributors. So you're actually thinking outside the country and the confines of the geographical region. The NRA population is more than three crores uh, spread across all these countries. 
You must have seen Hans Rosling's videos on population, very popular on TED. You must have seen his infographics and all that. Now, if you actually look at this, the population by 2050 is going to be 7 billion, and you're going to have one extra billion from uh, Europe and US is going to be static. You're going to have one billion from Africa and one billion in Asia. That's the increase in population. Why am I talking about that? Is that migration forecasting, whereas Europe and US, the population is not growing, it's also aging, there are also labor uh, uh, issues. There is a need for migrants of, from Asia to serve the people in the US and in Europe. So this is an important uh, aspect of our soft power. So coming back to Porter and thinking of clusters, cluster theory of, you know, he talks about Italian footwear industry, he talks about uh, Swiss watch industry. You actually look at clusters of excellence of Indians across, right? Then you see Indian doctors, for example, in the US. You, you, you can immediately say, oh, great. Did you know that 35% of the strategy professors in the US universities are Indians? Or every year for the last 15 years, spelling bee contests are being won by us? Or there's a professor called Anne Lexon who has done research. More than 50% of entrepreneurs in the Silicon Valley have an Indian connection. Either the CTO or the CEO or the CMO, there is a, there's a founder there, the Indian founder there. And automatically the venture capitalist, when he sees this as the Indian as a part of the founding team, there is some kind of a comfort, right? So if you look at it, even the old economy, all the motels by Patels, right? So that's, so you have, if you, if you see how these, uh, Singapore, for example, I live in Singapore, and Singapore is looking at skill development in Assam for nurses. Because their population is aging, they want nurses uh, from India. So if you see these centers of excellence and how people and this migration that, is, that we are seeing is happening, and we can see that Indians have a role to play in services. So she talked about culture, I'm also talking about services. So there is a need. So this is the model that I thought of this morning uh, in my meditative trance. And I would, all the hands that you raised, uh, I would urge you to please get in touch with me at hurry at indicacademy.org in, in the next few days. I would uh, seek your assistance. I want to develop this model, this diamond model for soft power that is based on Networks, so you have these networks. So Spelling Bee Contest, my son has just won the Spelling Bee Contest, but the next year, the parents will be calling me. So there's an informal network that's happening, right? There's a domain networks that are forming. Similarly, the overseas citizens, we are 3% of our population, or 2.5% of our population is overseas. Not many countries can boast of that. The developed countries don't migrate anyway. They only migrate for jobs. But here we migrate for a living. So not many countries can overseas. Chinese and overseas NRI, uh, uh, Indians are probably the largest chunk as a percentage of the population. And then 
she has already highlighted the factors of soft power within our country in terms of culture, people, capital, infrastructure. But more importantly, the global demand that is there for our culture, what she has highlighted, what the millennials are consuming, which I'll come to, the services, which are the, the people, the products and other factors. So if you see, there is a need for us to advance Joseph Nye's uh, research on soft power, Michael Porter's research on competitive advantage of nations, build on both these concepts and advance it and build a new model for soft power. I have some thoughts on the ranking that uh, uh, Portland has done. Now, if you see, what are the millennials in the world consuming right now? I call them as the, the four pillars. She's highlighted a lot of pillars. I just want to summarize them into four pillars, right? First pillar is that people are traveling not to see a monument, but they're traveling for cultural experiences, for curated cultural experiences. They want an intellectual element to wherever they go. They just don't want to see something, but they want an overlaid of intellectual experience. Craft. Most millennials you go to, they don't want to buy any uh, uh, product which is made by a large corporation. They want to buy a product which is handmade, some village somewhere is benefited because of this product. So what you wear, what you eat, what you use in your house, everything is craft. And India is the largest repository, largest number of villages in the world that survive on craft, that are generate craft. Again, care and consciousness, whether it's health, whether it's vegetarianism, whether it's Ayurveda, Care is very important, ecology. And again, consciousness. When I say consciousness, I mean the entire thing about spirituality that we have, whether, uh, um, you know, according to the Pew Research report, spiritual but not religious is actually the fastest growing religion, so to speak. Everybody is spiritual but not religious. And all the spirituality uh, in India uh, has to offer a very systematic and structured approach to spirituality. So if you see a, a kind of a mapping of the four countries there, China, USA, and India, and if you see those four cultural experiences, craft, care, and consciousness, India ranks yes on all, all the four. Now you look back to the uh, 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 ranking that uh, Portland has done. If you see in the objective data itself, the value that they have attached to culture is only 12%, 12.5%. Whereas if you look at Joseph Nye's uh, evaluation, it is culture, political values, and foreign policy. Right? And again, if you look at digital education, engagement, enterprise. I'll come back to how it maps to. This is the criteria for uh, the polling data which they asked these 11,000. Uh, again, culture is very less. But if you see this, again, they're asking for luxury goods and uh, technology products. So if you are using a product from Apple, so then therefore they'll give weightage to the US. So if you actually map it against Joseph Nye's, the political values 
is, is getting almost 69%. Culture is 12.7, and foreign policy is 18%. That's the kind of uh, weightage. I believe there is a need for reworking this kind of a, and, and balancing the, uh, between, if you ma overlay Joseph Nice uh, on this uh, particular uh, objective data. Similarly, like I was telling you, if I'm thinking that if I buy an iPhone and I give credit to the US for their design, uh, if I'm using an Indian nurse or if I am getting taught by an Indian teacher or a construction worker or a software, there should be some weightage at the back of my mind that, oh, I know I'll get a good, excellent service. So this is the Center for Soft Power that uh, India Foundation, uh, in collaboration with Indic Academy, has just established six months ago. Uh, the vision of India Foundation as a think tank is threefold, which is basically advocacy, analysis, and awareness. In advocacy, we are setting up a trade body. We've just set up a trade body called NICE. It's a network of Indian cultural enterprises. I request uh, my colleague to please show your hand. He's also going to take you to Kum. So he's, uh, he's going to uh, manage NICE, and he's worked in the MEA earlier. And the idea is to create an ASCOM kind of a institution for all the cultural enterprises in the world. And that would, in turn, interf interface with the government to uh, do advocacy. Some uh, visa issues for a cook in London, or you know, there are several issues that cultural enterprises world over face. We are uh, in the analysis. We are working on a dashboard. Uh, we are partnered with uh, University of Southern California, and uh, in awareness, we did nine uh, roundtables uh, on different verticals. The way we look at Culture is uh, across verticals. We look at spirituality, Ayurveda, yoga, language and literature, film, music, performing arts, visual arts. So all these uh, design, craft, art, each of these verticals, we have done roundtables. We have engaged with the specialists. We had the first conference. Uh, Shreya, please uh, be recognized. So she was the coordinator uh, for the conference. We had the first conference on soft power last December. We had 66 speakers spread over three days, 15 sessions. So that is something we have done. Now we are doing this like uh, all, all over the world. We have just done uh, uh, in India through its thoughts and senses. We have done in uh, Singapore. Now we are doing one uh, uh, program in uh, San Francisco on entrepreneurs, high tech, and soft power, uh, most likely in April or May. Yeah. So, thank you so much. Uh, it's been wonderful. We'll take questions, Vinaji and myself will take questions. Thank you.